Pretzels would like to apologize to Belgium, America, and Waffles, United Front against Nazis. If you didn't have waffle, waffle, if you wassels, if you didn't wassel, if you're wa- with old King Wassels, <laughs> loss, and your waffles held high in the air alongside your salty, sweet, mustardy pretzels, then you let baby Hitler win. Pretzels, you think you can't stop that motherfucker? Pretzels will stop that motherfucker now and for all time. Pretzels killing baby fucking Hitler. America's bread. Welcome, 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 nerds and nerdettes. Welcome, obscurials of all shapes and flavors. You're listening to the, the Nerd, Nerd Obscurial Podcast. Podcast. Hi, I'm Eric. I am the Oklahoma Kid. Something that I think would like to highlight and I mm-hmm. think would like to bring to people's attention. I hope people can do it more. Those pieces of art that influence you when you're a kid, go back. And you'll still find a lot of joy out of them. But you're going to have a lot of different perspective there's gonna be a lot of stuff you're gonna pick up and it's not something i do a lot and it's something i wish i did more because uh, going back to things you did yeah like those classic pieces of work those classic Mm -hmm. uh novels or whatever when you were really young and this one i I listened to the audiobook and went back and listened to the whole book again for the listener it's the collected works of marquis de sade Okay, let's take a break before I embarrass myself more. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah childhood uh, things are great. Well, uh, definitely cool. Uh, I love to go back and reread like some, you know, the old comics I was, you know. So every once in a while, I'll get out the box where it's like the actual physical issues I owned of comics yeah, as a yeah. kid, you know, and I'll like be reading those. And it's just like I have these all in like much nicer collected editions, but I'm like – Sometimes you still want to go back and flip no. the pages and you see the ads and stuff that are in there and, and it's so crazy. I got this feeling the other day too about um, – I'm starting to feel old because like I want to start reconnecting with some of my friends when I was like in high school and different parts of my life to talk about the good old days. Mm. And I always thought it was such an old thing. You, you, you get this person all the way here and you talk about shit that happened 40, 50 years ago. But it is something where it like it takes you back. Just just <laughs> talking about like looking at old baseball cards. Oh, it takes you back to like when you first got that card. Yeah. Remembering, you know, like the great at bats that player had that one time in that one game or like all these kind of things. It's the uh, you know, Madeline and the T kind of Prussian stuff. Mm-hmm. So Definitely Yeah, if cool. we wanna cat noise to to try to put a nice bow on it uh, to this spot. Yeah, that was definitely the feeling by going back and listening to that audiobook and all that reminiscing and putting you in this, mm. but also like giving you the new perspective of like things yeah, you didn't see now the you first know, time. Yeah, you're, you know, you're catching other things in it. Yeah. 
seeing subtleties you didn't right. pick up on before. Like going back and listening to a pretzels. I'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> pretzels would like to assure the audience he will not be here all week. On that note, pretzels. yeah, why don't we uh, we'll take a little breaky and let's get to. lightning round time now having lost last week and something to prove i always let it to oklahoma whether he wants to ask questions first or receive questions first i would like to give answers first question number one bears beats battlefield earth is this a line from the john travolta movie battlefield earth or is this a line from Dwight Schrute of The Office. Never underestimate what a little leverage can do, Rat Brain. Well, I know Rat Brain was a thing they said in the movie, but was Dwight making reference to that movie? I'm just going to say Battlefield Earth. Okay, you're correct on that. Um, this one is a visual one because for, radio. for the, well, just for it making sense, you have to look at punctuation here. Okay. So. It's Ulysses in italics, comma, S. Grant. So this is whether this came from the novel Ulysses by James Joyce or a quote from Ulysses S. Grant. I gotcha. The friend in my adversity I shall always cherish most. I can better trust those who help to relieve the gloom of my dark hours than those who are ready to enjoy with me the sunshine of my prosperity. Doesn't sound... Postmoderny enough, I'm gonna say uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Okay, two for two. This is the one All right, I think so. that he's gonna take. No, this, that'll be it. That'll be my two we'll for the see. night. So, how to get high under the sea? Which of these is a real news title? In the Filipino city of Boracay, residents have found a loophole in Duarte's war on drugs: licking blue ring octopi, or B. Dolphins, quote, deliberately getting high, unquote, on puffer fish, nerve toxins, by carefully chewing and passing them around. Well, if I had to guess, I would say that the octopus one is false because that I'm pretty sure licking a blue ring octopus would kill you in seconds. It's like the most venomous creature on earth. Okay, three for three. But I actually know my wife read that story to me about the dolphins okay. and the puffer fish, so, so I happen you to know, know that that's one. true. Yeah. Yes. Okay, this one is my very first two-parter. All right. And you're going to be like batting a thousand here, so I got I to gotta mess you up here, I guess. This one's called Love Guru, The Curse of Michael Myers. Is this about the Michael Myers movie Love Guru or Halloween, Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers, what I'm calling the Michael Myers multiverse? According to Rotten Tomatoes, this film has the lowest score of the Myers multiverse with a score of 9%. Love Guru. That was Halloween. Damn it. And then Love Guru Part 2. All right. Is this a separate question? This is like question five. This is five. a separate question. This is question okay, five. Okay, so this is point five. This All is right. five. 
Peter Travers review, 90 minutes pass like an eternity. Half a star. True or false? No. Is it the love guru he wrote that review? Oh, or of 90. Or uh, the love guru. So five, four or five. Four. Four out of five. Here we go. This last one I call Rosebud. This is an either, neither, or both. Right. Is it a cultivar of a rose Mm -hmm. or a cultivar of marijuana? Okay. Violet Delight. Pot. Five for six. Nice. Should have been a both, but there's technically... That's something else. No, but there's there's technically a purple rose that has something delight violet rather than... I think it's perfume delight. There's a violet perfume delight, Mm -hmm. but there isn't a, a violet delight by itself. So you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to bat a thousand. There we go. Let's see if you can do it. So uh, we got a couple things happening with my half of the lightning round this, okay, this that's week. Right. Uh, we've got an ending and an evolution. So we'll begin with the evolution. Oh so fucking, you not only do so well on my list, but now you're going to have these weird. <laughs> one of them, the trust me. The master has come to play. One of, one of them's not going to hurt you, trust me. Okay. All right. So the evolution. One of them, of the we're gonna, two. We're going to try something out. The category formerly known as Lock It Down, Mr. Spock. Okay. Is now going to be Lock Down That Rock, Mr. Spock. So I will want you to tell me whether this quote is from philosopher John Locke, Star Trek's Mr. Spock, or comedian Chris Rock. What worries you masters you. I'm going to say Chris Rock. Nope. John Locke. Yeah. So in the category of hippogriff or honky gringo. So tell me, is this the name of a fantastic beast from Harry Potter or a slang term for a certain demographic of white people. Jarvie. J-A-R-V-E-Y. White people. Nope. It's a ferret-like beast that talks and eats garden gnomes. In the category of in the ring or on the range, is this a pro wrestler or a famous cowboy? Mysterious Dave Mather. Luchador. Nope. That is a cowboy. In the category of teenage mutant gnarly thrashers, is this the name of a metal band... A mutant from the X-Men comics, or both. Necra. N-E-K-R-A. I'm going to say that it's just a metal band, and I'm going to be wrong. You are wrong. Sorry. Uh, Yes, Necra is a black metal band from Athens, Georgia. Oh, but it's both. And it's both, yes. No. A villain who has strength and invulnerability See, that grows with the amount of hate they're feeling. Both would be, and it was used a K. With the K, yeah. Right. It threw, that's what threw me off was that it was like, uh, one of them would have a K, but not both of them well, would have a K. And to be fair, I should warn you, I did not look up the ones that were metal bands and mutants. I did not look up enough information about the band to know whether or not they're actually named for that mutant. So for all I know, the band Necra is a bunch of kids who like saw that in X-Men comics and were like, oh, that's a cool name for a band. Yeah. You know, but no, they, which, that could which, very well be the case. Which would still be yeah. within the, the possibility. All right. So we're going to... is Would this be the first shutout? Are we going to make we'll history find out. tonight? No, but I'm, I'm I doubt saying, it, but we'll find out. Has there been a shutout before? No, no, there's been no shutout. Okay, this would be the first shutout. In the category, we're going to we're gonna jump ahead a little bit because I got something special planned. Right. Like I said, we're saying goodbye to something, so I got a little something special planned. In the category of anime or may not, 
Okay. Indigo Blade Octillion. This anime. Nope. That is fake. I've decided, because like you said, it was a bit of a bit of an easy point for you. And you went on a winning tear, and I was like, uh-oh. So we're going to be saying goodbye to the West Wing. You, it's a category you named, and you dominated. Seven straight weeks, you absolutely went flawless. So we're going to close it out with what I'm calling a lightning, lightning round round. It's going to be a little bit of a rapid fire. I'm going to give you a bunch of them. And again, this is the grand finale of the West Wing. Think of it like all the fireworks going off at the end of the show. Is it Billy West as Nixon's head on Futurama or the real Nixon? So I'm gonna and I mean if you get at least if you get fifty percent points yours. Okay. Here we go. I would have made a good Pope. Nixon. Correct. You East Coast intellectuals had your chance. Billy West. Yep. If there's one thing Nixon's known for, it's class. Billy West. Yes. Our planet has been through a lot this year, but we have never forgotten what is truly important: the great taste of Charlton Chew. Billy West. Billy West. Quick, shoot him in the back while no one's looking. Billy was. Yep. Uh, the one secret no one ever suspected is that I did stage the moon landing on Venus. Aroo-mwahahahaha. Billy was. <laughs> the tentacles are coming straight towards Earth, and there's no stopping them. King Kong's too old to save us this time. Billy West. Billy West, yes. <laughs> Listen here, Missy. Computers may be twice as fast as they were in 1973, but your average voter is as drunk and as stupid as ever. The only thing that's different is me. I've become bitter and, let's face it, crazy over the years. And once I'm swept into office, I'll sell our children's organs for zoo meat. I'll go into people's homes at night and wreck up the place. Mwahahaha. Billy West. Billy West. Uh, how about this one? I remember my body. Flabby, pasty skin, riddled with phlebitis. A good Republican body. Billy West. Billy West. All right, next one. Slow down there, Starsky. I'm up to something here. I want this robot fixed. Fixed like Kennedy fixed the 1960 election. Damn bean-eating war hero. Billy West. My God, cover yourself. I didn't live a thousand years and travel a quadrillion miles to look at another man's gizmo. Billy West. Billy West. Hurry up. I'm sweating like J. Edgar Hoover trying to squeeze into a new girdle. Billy West. Billy West. Attention, happening robots. Who's got what it takes to party with Nixon? You fellas enjoy yourselves for the next two hours, and be sure not to leave the island for uh, at least two hours. I'm going out to pick up some smokes. Uh, really good smokes. Two hours. Okay, headless body of Agnew, let's blow this joint. Billy West. Billy West. All right, next one. The Jews are just a very aggressive and abrasive and obnoxious personality. Ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, uh, you missed that one. The answer was Nixon. No. The answer was the real Nixon. No, I said fuck you. I was, that was not thinking correct... okay. I was going to say actually real Nixon. <laughs> yeah. I said fuck oh. you because it sounded so fucking like it could be a cartoon, but it was going to definitely be Nixon. Yeah, no, you were correct. That was Nixon. The Irish can't drink. What you always have to remember with the Irish is they get mean. Virtually every Irish I've known gets mean when he drinks. Nixon. Nixon. You know, it's a funny thing. Every one of the bastards that are out for legalizing marijuana is Jewish. What the Christ is the matter with the Jews, Bob? What is the matter with them? I suppose it's because Nixon. most of them are psychotic. Nixon. Psychiatrists. That is Nixon. Oh, not uh, psychotic, but psychiatrists? <laughs> psychiatrists, oh, yeah. You um, saved it in the end. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we ought to move tanks, the whole goddamn thing. Put a division in there. If necessary, it's time for action on it. If some Indians get shot, that's too goddamn bad. If some Americans get shot... That's too bad, too. Nixon. Yes, real Nixon when the uh, Native American movement uh, overtook Alcatraz. You know, the big Jewish contributors to the Democrats? Can we please investigate some of the cocksuckers? Nixon. Real Nixon, correct. We're going to put more of these little... 
bastards on the welfare rolls. I don't believe in it. Nixon. Work. Work. Throw them off the rolls. That's the key. I have the greatest affection for but I know they're not gonna make it for 500 years. They aren't. The Mexicans are a different cup of tea. They have a heritage. At the present time, they steal, they're dishonest, but they do have some concept of family life. They don't live like a bunch of dogs, which the <laughs> do live like. Yes, correct, real Nixon. No, 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 fuck. <laughs> you realize this is mostly gonna be cat noises. No, but fuck. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a fucked up one. Jesus fucking Christ, that is bad. That is bad. And finally, to get the full streak, you know what happened to the Greeks? Homosexuality destroyed them. Sure, Aristotle was a We all know that. So was Socrates. Do you know what happened to the Romans? The last six Roman emperors were You know what happened to the popes? It's all right that the popes were laying the nuns. That's been going on for years, centuries. But when the popes, when the Catholic Church went to hell in, I don't know, three, four centuries ago, it was homosexual. Nixon. Yes, that was the real Richard Nixon expressing his thoughts on a rumor that Meathead from All in the Family might be revealed to be bisexual. So congratulations. I you did bat a thousand a on that clean as well. Sweep. It does make me feel a little bit better. You definitely all the way through the more than deserved the thing. Uh, there was some ridiculous stuff there. There was some <laughs> very racist um, stuff. In case you're wondering what some of those meows were, they were racial slurs. Said and by they me. were not from a fictional character. <laughs> and they were from <laughs> real president Richard M. Nixon. Um, in case you didn't know, he was kind of a nasty dude. So congratulations to you. Um, let's take a little break here. Congratulations to us all. We're all winners. <laughs> we're all winners we're now. We're all winners. <laughs> I'll try to redeem myself in the master of this domain. And uh, we'll see you after the break. Okay, we're back. Welcome back. <laughs> um, Oklahoma... This is your baby. Why don't you set out this domain? Master of this domain. I went looking for a website with this domain name, this blah, 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 dot com. Yeah. Uh, or even something with like this overall theme where it was like very much like the title of it, even if it wasn't the domain name, but did not find it. So we're going to talk about what it should be. And this week we had hamster fights. We had hamster slights. Now we're talking about hamster nights. Uh, and it's nights as in like night and day. Yeah. Noche it, not caballero. Bingo. So, hamster For nights. our fans in Espanol. The first thing comes to my head is the Playboy after dark, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> some, <laughs> like, some hamster late night nights. Yeah, like, some like, uh, with like the saxophone. Sultry like, negligees. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Miles Davis. Well, it would have to be like the mouse, that Miles Davis. You know, you don't actually get Miles Davis to show up. Because he's dead. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, not. I don't think we need to do any exhuming of celebrity bodies for this. Type five, maybe, but we might. You can, we might you exhum- get hamsters showing up in negligee, and then weaken at Bernie, Miles Davis, and Thelonious Monk. The exhum courses. They've been dead for a while, so it's gonna be messy. Yeah. <laughs> Although now I kind of like the idea of just videos of hamsters dressed up as little like old timey grave diggers, 
and they're just like it's just videos of these hamsters digging like <laughs> it's just hamsters grave robbing I do, famous, I, I do have famous dead people a legitimate question where oh, fuck <laughs> um I do have a legitimate question uh, that we may have to consult the technology and look at the the Googles and the Wikipedias. Mm-hmm. Are hamsters nocturnal? Let's. Okay, we are going to have to consult some technology here, folks. Yeah, we because um, it it I think does make a difference. Siri, are hamsters oh, nocturnal? For fuck's sake. Hamsters can be described as nocturnal or crepuscular. Okay. Mostly at dawn and dusk. So dawn and dusk, but they are definitely not hanging out in the middle of the day so yeah. the nighttime nighttime would be like uh, them showing up at work sure yeah the sun goes down and by work we mean grave robbing <laughs> famous, by work, we mean famous corpses robbing. famous jazz corpses please <laughs> our fucked up minds went here but i don't know if that's where it should go i kind of want it to be like so it's hamster nights and I want this to be like people's nights with hamsters. It'd be like Instagram feeds, like a slideshow kind of, of like people taking, you know, like Instagram photos, selfies and whatnot of their night out with hamsters. But it's like, as each one goes, it gets like progressively more, like the hamsters keep get like the people are like, oh, this is so much fun, but I should go home. And the hamsters keep getting him into like more and more shit, you know? <laughs> and the hamsters like, no, no, it's cool. Instigating. We're just going to yeah. run by this one place and see this one friend. And then, yeah, then we'll go home. Yeah. And it's just like, they go to that place and it's a fucking orgy, you know? Or like, the hamster's like, I just got to pick up this one thing at this friend's house. Yeah. And they go to the hamster's friend's no, just house. The night and it's like a fucking like, drug progressively house. Progressively worse. Like it goes from, you know, like... A fun Drinks little at the party bar. yeah. to fucking like training day. Like I didn't know you get wet. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to just to this point where these people, these hamsters, have gotten these people in way over their fucking heads, and they're just like, "What the fuck has happened to my life?" Um, just gets real dark. I just had something fucking sl- flash in my brain though. Hamster nights though. What if it was all of the constellations were hamsters? Because people see whatever the fuck they want to uh-huh. in the stars and stuff like that. So hamster nights is like you go up and instead of giving you, you know, Sagittarius and they're just Taurus. All just so it's all hamster images up there. And that's it, it, it's not even like it's promoting a brick and mortar facility that has all of an observatorium where all the constellations are hamsters. <laughs> So it's like the business website it's for the this. the business website. For, a, for a laser light show star observatorium thing, but they all show everything is just hand. All, yeah. I, I think if you went like full out, if it was like not just the constellations, you got to be like like making nebulas like out of hamsters. Like yeah. That, no. hamster, you know, just like everything is a fucking hamster and they're just showing all this astrological phenomena, but it's all been made to be hamsters. And it may get a little weird and cultish, but it's like the earth is a hamster ultimately. Like it, it gets to like the hamster being a god. <laughs> like, yeah. God, I feel like that's the most Andy Kaufman. Does that surreal. make the atmosphere the like the plastic ball the hamster's running in? Absolutely, it does. <laughs> nice. Then I'm for it. Right. I feel like that's the that's the dream. <laughs> all the other stuff are fun. This is all just fun little bits, but that's the dream right there. A hamster running around a little wheel. That's our earth. That's that's my church. Hail Cthulhu.
<laughs> okay, let's uh, take a little breaky and then let's get to the type five. Okay, and we're back. We are on working on my type five, AKA steal this joke. Now, this is uh, something where I love comedy. I love trying to write jokes. I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. But uh, these are just little bits. We're gonna work on them a little bit together. Me and Oklahoma will work out some little things and they are for grabs. So if you want these babies and you wanna take them on the road and see how they do and do all the work that I'm not willing to do yeah. <laughs> when it comes to being a comedian. Yeah, this, this is as far as we're, t- as we're gonna take these jokes. But if someone wants to take them farther, we are putting them out there for the universe. So that's And the by premise. we, I mean you. Well, well, Oklahoma needs needs to step his game up on writing the jokes. Oh, I but, got some jokes, but you didn't. You vetoed. You you threw down some. Okay, uh, well, I have one tonight. So let 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 let's see how she worked. So I think in life there's these certain things where there's this crazy bell curve, right? Where like things kind of go up, and naturally you think how a bell curve like they they plateau off and they go down. But there's certain things where like they go up, they kind of plateau, but then when you take it too far, it goes batshit crazy and it gets off the whole X, Y axis altogether. It goes to the Z axis and you're like, where the fuck, how did we get here? Right? So one of the things, the one of the analogies I want to make with this is, uh, I got a kid, a kid swearing in relation to how adorably funny it is. Right? So... The kid says, damn, that's pretty cute, right? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. The kid says, motherfucker, that's pretty adorably hilarious, right? When the kid goes, fuck you, mother shit, fucking fuck, it's like, whoa, whoa. Is this an exorcist thing or a Tourette's thing? Like, I need to know if I need to be sensitive or pee in my pants, you know? That's half the joke. But I, I need comments before, because this was going to be maybe a part A, part B. Does the other half of the joke involve the bell curve part? Yes. Okay, because it feels like the bell curve part was a weird setup to the idea. To yeah, the... the bell curve. But yeah, I want to try to find a way to visually describe it, but I don't know how. But I do like the idea of like, damn, kind of cute, but too far. Do I even yeah. know? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I can see that. It was just kind of a weird juxtaposition. Right. But what's the second? So what's the second half of the joke? Because hearing the second half might affect my comments. The second half goes very different. All right. So I feel like there's a similar curve when it comes to white people denying them being racist in relation to them being racist. You know, it's like, I don't see color. Okay, kind of a racial trope. I have like 28 black friends. Shouldn't be counting your black friends. Chris Rock should have taught you that. And that's my footnote right there. Because Chris Rock has this amazing joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you know how many black friends you have, you're a racist. I donate $12,000 to the NCAAP every year. Dude, how many black people did your family kill, man? If you're throwing out 
your charitable donation flex to prove you ain't racist. There's got to be some next level racism shit in your past. That is some plantation money white guilt there. Everyone bad, loves having I... a silent <laughs> cloud <laughs> over their joke. <laughs> There's nothing better in the world than saying a joke than just having a silence. <laughs> I feel like it, it needs to be two jokes. It's two jokes. It is. It is two jokes. And I was trying to unite them with the bell curve thing, but I couldn't figure out how to. Yeah, I would I would just make it two jokes and take the bell curve part out of the first one. But I came up with the idea at the same moment, kind of. And it was just like trying to have, it was causality or like correlation. Mm-hmm. It was the correlation between the two. So that's why I combined them. And mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. They are two different jokes. But the, the other one needs to be like part of a whole bit about like race. I think there is like if you look at the scales, if you made a graph of those two things, I think there's a similar curve of like, okay, that's kind of weird. Okay, that's pretty there. What the fuck? <laughs> like, the third one is like, Jesus fucking Christ, where, how did we get here? It goes from the X, Y axis to the Z axis. I mean, you didn't li- even know if that was there. A little bit, but, but <laughs> not enough for that to, like, that doesn't add anything to either part having that no thing. so no. I, I don't think it's a I, I think it's a thing that you would that would cut because having that scientific graph though was where I connected the two and that's why I have them in the same joke I, but, I would use it for one of them and not right. the, like I said I wouldn't use it for the kid part if you wanted to use that as the setup for the for the white guilt joke yeah I would do that well no but I I think actually the key for me is um the line and as well I didn't have it at first and I just threw it in I had to kind of cut and paste it uh-huh. but the if you're throwing out charitable donation flex to prove you ain't racist there's got to be some next level racism in your past like yeah. <laughs> I think that's just like a, yeah, a that's funny a, truism that's a good yeah and like, then, said, like yeah, the continuation of that is that is some plantation money white kill there <laughs> Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. There's some funny there, I, I don't there, think folks. they need to be attached. No, no, no. They do not at all. They do not attached. at all. But it's just because my twisted brain went there, and that's why I connected them. Individually, individually, there's definitely something there. Both of them have like, a good, they're, good bit. Putting them together kind of makes me go like, okay, wait, what? Right. No, no, it, it's too hard. It's only because my brain goes to the grafting, yeah. and I, I see it visually like that, like... It's going up, 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 up. And then it went to fourth dimension. <laughs> it didn't go down. It came out. Yeah, exactly. That 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 is what, what I, I think both see of them that. do. Right? It's also not, like, not really a bell curve. So using this. Yeah, exactly. Bell curve, bell like, curve is like, not the right word like for it. It's like there's this graph of yeah. where it goes up. Yeah, yeah. But then you hit this point where it just like shoots at it goes yeah. off the graph and comes shooting out at you and that that, that needs to be that it. Yeah. it goes to the fourth dimension and it shoots at you yeah yeah that yeah. that 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 is the way to describe it it's not bell curve at all yeah and the, that was i was that I was struggling with is trying to figure out like bell curve was the only way i could really think about describing it but that's the way to describe it okay guys well um we'll take a moment and then let's uh get into our list So why do you only call 
Okay, so we're back. This is Oklahoma's third choice. He's going to go first here. So, yeah, this is the one that probably fits your premise the best. Right. Because you were talking about you know, with Suicide Squad. If you want to get real exact of what happened there, you had a first movie that was supposed to start a franchise. It sucked. And now it, and then James Gunn came along and, like, kick-started the thing. Right. And not kick-started right. the thing, but you gave it a jump. gave it a shot. My other two choices were not ones that started off bad. Uh, one was one, Waterworld just happened to go nowhere, but I think is underrated. And Aliens is one that had good movies and then kind of deteriorated. This one is very much the definition of what you're talking We're about. We're working in the gray areas for yeah. a lot of this stuff, right? So, But for this one, this one is this is dead spot on. Spot on. Green Lantern, starring Ryan Reynolds. Definitely supposed to kick off a franchise of him, you know, having his... Oh, no, no, no. And there was already setting up. They did the precursors. Because there is the definition of you're fixing the franchise. You're yes. still leaving the franchise how it is. Exactly. So Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is how Jordan. Still. Yes, that movie happened. Now, here's the thing. I thought of this in a vacuum. Because we know there's going to be something in the future that's going to happen with Green Lanterns in this whole... If this... Zack Snyder's DC Extended Universe thing keeps with the Justice League movies, keeps going. They're going to have to get to Green Lanterns. But right. I'm looking this as a at this as the franchise of just that. This would not, like, introduce Batman, Superman. This would be a Green Lantern franchise. I am a Ryan Reynolds fan. I think the dude's fucking great. But he was not quite the right fit for Hal Jordan. I don't think that was the main problem with the movie. But he's also kind of not right for Hal Jordan. The main problem with the movie is their writing was the ter- the script was a mess. The script was an absolute mess. Reynolds was actually great in it with what he had to do, with like what he was given to work with. He still isn't quite right for Hal Jordan. He's a little bit too likable and too easygoing. Like Hal Jordan, because it's like you have these two aspects. There's definitely that daredevil aspect of it. Yeah. Because he's a test pilot. He came out, the character debuted in 1962. You know, it was before we'd even put a man in space. This is the, the race to get into space. Right. So when we say he's a test pilot, he's like a Chuck Yeager type person. Right. This is not someone who's like testing out, oh, they invented a new, slightly different control panel for the radar on this fighter jet, so we're test piloting it. No, this is like, okay. There's a giant missile that we think you can fly with the steering wheel. We're going to strap you to it and see what happens. Like, this is when it's like, it's the fucking wild, wild west being a test pilot. He is a Air Force guy. So there's a certain amount of, like, hardness and discipline. He's a military man. But then there's also a layer of, like, it's not just he's a ground troops guy. Like, have you ever looked in the fucking cockpit of a plane? There is like a crazy, it's not just like a fucking steering wheel and a stick ship, man. It's a crazy amount of stuff you have to know to be able to fly a plane. And then imagine you're doing this in a combat, possibly in a combat situation, like for your life. And you're having to do it at high speed and anticipate what another person is doing. You got to be fucking smart to be a fighter pilot. Here's my pitch for how you do this. Because you have to acknowledge Ryan Reynolds. Let's fix this franchise, not reboot this franchise. Right. Here's my way to cheat that rule. You start the movie. The great start you have. (laughs) You start the movie and there's Ryan Reynolds and he's in like a bar or a restaurant or a cafe or something. He's sitting at a table, but he's playing Ryan Reynolds at this point. He's playing himself, right? And like, you know, the waiter like says something. Oh, I love Deadpool, blah, 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 blah. It's too bad about the Green Lantern. 
And Ryan Reynolds looks to camera and starts talking to Cameron about how he's he was really bummed that the Green Lantern movie didn't really do better and it had all these problems. I mean, he just really wanted it to go because he was such a big fan growing up of Green Lantern, of hearing all the Green Lantern stories and how amazing they were and wanting to immortalize those on the big screen, you know? And and Ryan Reynolds would go, I think I think the first mistake we made was not making it, was trying to modernize it. Because Hal Jordan was really a man of his time. And you go into film within a film kind of thing. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds as himself becomes the narrator telling the story, the version of the Hal Jordan story he remembers and wanted to bring to the screen. And boom, in that, yeah. you have a different person playing him. And here's my here's my throw out for that. So yeah, who's who's you who's need your... someone who can have definitely have that, you know, devil may care, bravado, real cowboy like I'm going for it kind of thing. Like evil an evil Knievel kind of aspect. You know, where it's like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna jump this motorcycle over this canyon. What, you think I'm gonna die? I'll fucking show you. But also this very like cool intelligence of being able to like handle like real technical stuff and being under pressure and stuff and then that military kind of discipline kind of roughness i would go with taylor kitsch he has that quality i think he captures those two aspects together better i think he does like ryan reynolds is more to the one side of just being this devil may care woo let's do it yeah here's where i go so you have this story within the story and you make it period you know, it takes place there in the space race. And the story is, the beginning of it is he's testing these, you know, super dangerous rockets to, to help get us into space, to win the space race. And then he gets passed up to be the guy. Mm. Like, he's thinking, I'm going to get to be the guy right. who gets to try right. and be the first one in space. And they're like, no, you're a little bit too much of a loose cannon. Right. We need someone a little more on the side of that, like, uptight. Yeah. You know, we're going with some of the safer choice. Right. So he gets passed up. And so he feels like he's you know, got something to prove now because he got passed up for the promotion. You know, he got passed up for the chance to be the one. Abin Sir, the alien, a Green Lantern, crashes to Earth. He's been mortally wounded. Tells his ring to find the closest good candidate. It finds Hal Jordan. Brings him to him. And he, he gives him the spiel. Says, you know, you need to take this. That You know, there's something dangerous coming. Right. So he takes it. Becomes Green Lantern, goes to do the training, which they did in the first movie, you know, so it's kind of a version of this, you know. Yeah. So he goes to do the training, he goes to learn, he gets paired with, as his mentor, Sinestro. Right. Which okay. they did in the first they movie. They did in the But he's looking into, like, you know, some cryptic clue that Abin Sur left him about what this dangerous thing was. And he starts researching it, he starts researching it. And he ends up, it leads him to this planet. And he goes to this planet, and it's this planet that's being oppressed. Like, the population. How does he go to this planet? He's a fucking Green Lantern. He can fly through space. No, I understand that. So he's already gotten the Green Lantern at this point. He's already become a Green Lantern. He's he's being trained. He's being mentored. He's like, it's like when they have like a rookie cop and a senior cop. Interesting. This is like yeah. fucking training day. It's it's training day. It's Green Lantern is training day. I mean, God, in a way it is. Spoiler alert. And this planet is being oppressed by, you know, by some, this force um, there's a tyrannical leader sure. and there's this resistance group and he meets the resistance group, the leader of which would be a character named Kat Matui, played by Maisie Williams. And meanwhile, he's getting trained in the ways of being a Green Lantern by Sinestro. And Sinestro's kind of holding this thing over his head a little bit of like, you need to prove yourself because he was chosen in an emergency. 
when Abinsur was dying. And it was like, find the closest guy who can fit the bill. He wasn't the absolute best choice to be the next, to take over that ring, right. to become that Green Lantern. He was, the cl- he was the closest person who could. So it's like, he made the short list, but he didn't actually win. They didn't have time to like vet the choices. Right. They went with the first guy on the list. And so he got it kind of by default. He made that short list, but he kind of won by default. He's kind of already got that. So that ties in. Like that kind of happened to him with the space race thing, not getting to be the guy to go into space. You know, he had something to prove. Now he's like, you know, I, I should have been the guy. And now he's been chosen as the guy and he's getting right. the other side of it. Like, oh, but were you really the best one to be the right. guy when right. we did choose right. you? Right. You know, when you did get the call. And Sinestro's kind of pushing this a little bit as like a, you know. So what happens is, so this you, this leads up to the first act is him becoming the Green Lantern and getting, you know, initiated and starting his training. The second act is he starts following these clues. Abinsur left him. It leads him to this planet. He sees this revolution, these this resistance that's trying to fight this tyrannical leader. And, you know, he's like, oh, I need to do something about help, try and help out in this situation. But he's still learning the ropes. So he's kind of like not quite sure how to do it the best. And the turn, uh, the end of act two is he finds out the tyrannical leader on the planet is Sinestro. And he's been abusing his Green Lantern powers to kind of implement a very like big brother law and order kind of dictatorship on his home planet and has been kind of able to hide this. But Abin Sur figured it out. Sinestro is the one who mortally wounded him. And then they might have done this in the comics. I don't know if they did this exactly, but they might have done this in one of the iterations. You have it that Abinsur, he's figured out that Sinestro has been abusing his power as Green Lantern. So now Act 3 is this showdown between Hal Jordan and Sinestro. So it ultimately what it leads to is you have the situation like, you know, he has to prove that he should have been picked. He has to prove that he deserved to be picked. Hal Jordan, the whole time, the emotional story seems like it's going to be, he's got something to prove and finally he's going to prove it to himself, right. you know. The, the common trope is the idea of – is the story of a kind of emotional track for a story, for a script, is the idea that the main character has something to prove to the, everybody sure. else. Yeah. And the crux is they finally realize the only person they have to prove it to is themselves. But you do – it's getting to that moment where like, no, I don't have to prove anything. Like not to All you, right. not to myself. Why should I have to prove anything? Right. And it's Hal Jordan coming to that place of like – no, I don't need to prove it. And it would be interesting for Hal Jordan to just be like, I don't, I don't need to do that. And so the climactic action is Hal Jordan doesn't fight Sinestro. Mm. Hal Jordan, all he does is he just gets a way to get Sinestro's ring away from him. So now Sinestro's not powered by the – he doesn't have his ring. Now he's just a guy. And that's all Hal Jordan does. He's like, I'm just taking this back because that's my responsibility. But like I don't got to prove that I can beat you. And so he doesn't even fight him. And the character of Kat Matui, and this is from the comics, she kicks his ass. Mm. And she ends up in taking over his spot in the Green Lanterns. So you have that story. And Ryan Reynolds as the narrator is like, that's the real crux of the story of Hal Jordan and, and you know, being a Green Lantern as, as I heard it when I was a kid. And the camera, and then you go back, and now you're seeing an on-screen. You're, we're back with Ryan Reynolds in the restaurant or whatever at the table, talking straight to camera. And he's like, "I'm not the one who was there, but is does that seem right?" And the camera pans around, and 
it's Taylor Kitsch as Hal Jordan, like maybe aged a little bit. And the whole thing, it's been Ryan Reynolds talking to the Hal Jordan. And I don't know, you do some dialogue there where it becomes clear to the audience that in this franchise, Ryan Reynolds made a movie within the movie that was the Green Lantern that came out and that it was a movie about the real Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. And he's talking to the Hal Jordan after having, you know, because he knows him because he played him and so he went and he met him and everything. So you have, that's how you get around the Ryan Reynolds thing. You make it so it seems like this story with Taylor Kitsch's Hal Jordan is a movie within a movie, but then you make it in a meta sense that the original movie becomes the movie that's within this movie where like that's the one that the that the Hal Jordan in this movie the Ryan Reynolds movie happened in his world he went and saw it and was like this isn't a very good movie of me I shouldn't have given them my life rights you know <laughs> and and then you drop like an easter egg as like they're leaving the restaurant as they're leaving Hal Jordan says to Ryan Reynolds he's like you want to hear some crazy stories Remind me to tell you some of the stories about Alan. So the next movie you do in the franchise is a period one about Alan Scott, set in the in the forties. Yeah. And I don't and I won't go too much into all this. Yeah. Then you do like one set in like the early eighties or the seventies yeah. with the character of John Stewart, and then you go into like a nineties one. That's like, um, or no, like a late 80s one that would be Guy Gardner. And here's my idea for the franchise. Like I said, it's a Green Lantern franchise, not a Hal Jordan franchise. Yeah. So you do it. It ultimately does become like the Avengers where you've got these like franchises that add up to a mega franchise. But the mega franchise is not like Justice League. It's not like the DC extended use. It's just the Green Lantern core. But you do this thing so you can have, like you have Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, but then you also have Thor 1, Thor 2, Thor 3. So you'd have Hal Jordan movies. You'd have Alan Scott movies. You'd have a whole franchise for each of these Green Lanterns. And then every once in a while, like every couple years, you'd have a Green Lantern core movie. Like you have the Avengers and you'd have all of them. So you'd have like Alan Scott and Hal Jordan and, right, 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 you know, right. Kat Matui. And, you know, you could include and you could rotate different ones. But you could have all these different Green Lanterns in this movie together doing something really where it's like the whole Green Lantern core having to work together yeah. uh, on some big crisis. Why don't we take a little breaky and then we'll get into the second choice. and. Yep. Okay, welcome back. My next choice on the list, The Chronicles of Narnia. Well, for me, that was my jam when I was a kid. Like when I was discovering literature, I have a high uh, bar for this content. I, it means a lot to me, a lot mm-hmm. of my growing ups. So the one they left off, Silver Chair, so they did Voyage of Dawn Treader. And Silverchair would be the next one in the Chronicles of Narnia. And Silverchair is a really cool story for me. And where Silverchair excels for me and why it makes it a little bit more 
mature, a little bit more adult, is that there isn't all the whimsical bullshit going on in the other ones. This one, it's like, it's all underground. It's all dark and obscured. Okay, so one of my favorite things that they do in silver chair they introduce what they call a marsh wiggle this marsh wiggle is named puddle glum and he becomes and you said there isn't whimsy <laughs> the marsh wiggle is named puddle glum uh well okay we have different interpretations of whimsy it's just it's like okay. all the 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 fantastic uh fairy kind of stuff yes. you know like i want a darker fantasy world i don't want right. the bright colors and all this stuff and they bring out a lot of that in the other movies yeah all bright lighting bright colors you know i call it whimsy don't give me all that whimsy fantasy shit i want a little more gothic a little bit yeah a little bit more dark a little more gothic but what's great about puddle glum the marsh wiggle and it's a marsh so and he wiggles it and he wiggles in it he considers himself like an optimist and a little bit like as marsh wiggles go he's a little bit too much fanciful but like he is literally from hitchhiker's guide marvin and if i had my choice it would be alan rickman Mm -hmm. who voiced in the uh adaptation movie adaptation of hitchhikers voiced marvin like it is literally that everything's gone wrong shit oh isn't it a nice day yeah but i'm sure it's gonna rain soon it's total eeyore shit you know exactly eeyore yeah so you got eeyore heading eeyore's your golem he's the one heading the expedition he's the one walking everybody through everything he's the guy so my next choice and i just feel like he's got the energy for it and he would just do good in it stephen wright I can see that Stephen Wright could do. I mean, he's so deadpan. He can definitely. Do God, that. he's so deadpan and just has that great delivery. And he could definitely do that thing that Rickman was able to do when he did Marvin. Of most people, when they're being miserable or playing miserable, there's a little bit of reveling in that miserableness. Yeah. Oh, woe is me. With this, it's like at least with like what it was with like Marvin is, and that Stephen Wright could do really well too, is this idea that it's like. They're just being practical. Yeah, about this the absolute exactly misery. what Puddle Glum is. Exactly what Puddle Glum is. That's to a T. But also the part of Narnia that this happens that it's all underground. Gnomes is what they call them, and the whole point actually harkens back to Prince Caspian, the second book, because. What they're going through to do is to find the heir to Prince Caspian, Prince, Prince Caspian's son. Who's living underground. Is off the, off the grid and in this place secured by the Lady of the Green Kirtle. She's a witch. So she has enchanted Caspian's son named Rillian. And Rillian walks around during the daytime as this big, bolsterous fucking knight. And then... How, how old is Rillian? Gets early 20s. So not a child. Not a child. The whole reason why he acts that way is that he's enchanted by this silver chair that he's forced to sleep in at night. And they strap him all in. And he is under the assumption that he'll turn into a giant serpent 
if he doesn't get strapped in here. And so it's like for his own good. But what the truth is, is that that chair is his actual enchantment that the lady of the green kirtle has made. Rillian is, I think, a real question of casting. And it has to be this person who's got this like big swagger, can have this big feeling, but it also like is kind of broken. And you know, like it needs to show these dimensions that not only can they be this figure that the lady wants them to be, but also needs to be in the silver chair when this enchantment goes away and have this kind of frailty of like, God, somebody help me. He's too old for it, but a younger Andrew Garfield, I think, could have been able to do it. Also thinking like Timothy Chalamet, he's got a lot of dimension to him. He could maybe stroke those two fields. What's interesting is that for me, they figure out that he is the actual son of Prince Caspian. Mm -hmm. And they free him of his bonds and he takes an axe and like shatters the silver chair to get free from his enchantment. And then after that, there's another like four or five chapters about how they actually get out of the underground thing and like get to safety and all of that too. Mm-hmm. And I thought that no, it should stay on the climactic scene of defeating the green lady. Mm-hmm. That should be the end of the movie. Man, so cut those last couple chapters. You do a whole show. On those last couple chapters. Oh. You actually like expand everything out and actually just make this as like a continuation show to do the last couple leading chapters. Leading into the fifth movie. Leading into the next movie. But also, in my opinion, just Silverchair is the best of them all. So that's where I want to focus all my energy. If you do another one, you go after it. Not a go after you hear often, but. Yeah, but I think it and I represent it. And I'm putting it out there. I was making a joke about the band being crappy. But like I said, I think it would be so cool as a like series afterwards. Like you do a whole movie. Because I think there's frankly some movies and stories that it would be that, nicer what? wrapped up if the movie was here. Like Lord of the Rings where you're like, okay, now why, why are we on the eighth ending? Like, <laughs> we've had a, we've had an ending point for this movie 12 times now. And they just keep coming. They just keep coming, also directed by Lukewarm. Um, Fair play. Pretzels, the show. pretzels would like to apologize to Maisie Williams. That's You've all? You've come a long way. <laughs> also directed by Lukewarm. Pretzels wow. would like to uh, apologize, apologize for the apology. <laughs> for the previous apology to Maisie Williams. It should not be inferred in any way that she has appeared in a film directed by Lukewarm. She has not. On that note, I think um, unless you have some major questions you need to lobby my way, uh, we should get your outro. Soup's on. Soup's on, people. Muggle, please. Okay, we're back, Oklahoma. I do believe you won the lightning round, so you have the outro all to yourself. Well, 
first, let's get to legal. Legal department demands we read the fine print. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast is a Gadzooks and Nerd production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow. M-E-O-W. If you like the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its content are, except of course for the steal this joke, joke, the wholly owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except of course for the steal this joke, joke. Or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you. Any works, products, concepts, or otherwise intellectual property not owned by Gadzooks and Nerd mentioned or discussed in the Nerd Obscurial Podcast are done so under fair use for the purposes of commentary, critique, and obviously comedy, or Maybe not so, obviously. So, please don't sue us, because we can't actually sick big pretzel on anyone. The views, ideas, opinions, and beliefs expressed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are solely those of its creators, which is to say your esteemed host, Eric the Troubadour, and me, the Oklahoma Kid, and do not represent the views, opinions, or beliefs of any individual or entity named, referenced, or even alluded to in this podcast, including, but not limited to, Chris Rock, Leonard Nimoy, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and its parent companies, The Buggles, Peter Travers and its parent companies, Thelonious Monk, Alan Rickman, my wife and her parent companies, The Great State of Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and of course, all cats everywhere on the internet. Hail Cthulhu. All right, anything you want to say before we go out? Yes, actually, I do. I have a little phrase that has helped me in some trying times, and I hope it could help you as well. Doom Spiro Sparrow. While I breathe, I hope. It's always held a little bit of, um, a little bit of hope to me as well. And if we're all breathing, then we're all hoping. We'll see each other on the other side. Now, I'd like to also give a little bit of words of wisdom to the audience. I'm not quite as eloquent as you, so I've decided to borrow from someone else. So this is a speech given by former president and diplomat Jimmy Carter upon receiving the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest. So pack a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex. We are in that sunshine state where the bomb-ass hemp be. The state where you never find a dance floor empty. And pimps be on a mission for them greens. Lean, mean, money-making machines serving fiends. I've been in the game for ten years making rap tunes. Ever since honeys were wearing sassoon. Now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me. Diamond shining look like I robbed Liberace. It's all good from Diego to the bay. Your city is the bomb if your city making pay. Throw up a finger if you feel the same way. Dre putting it down for California. Good evening and good luck.